I felt like I'm in good company all day, but you never know about the third service, so just gotta ask the question. Has anybody in the room ever been in the middle of a conversation and then right in the middle of said conversation, you completely forget what you were talking about? Anybody, anybody? Okay, yeah, yeah, and it's not, it's not getting old. I've, this happened to me in the second and third and fourth grade. I would be talking, the teacher would call me and I would be answering the question and I would stop and I would say, what are we talking about? And she would tell me and then bam, I'm right into it. And it happens still to this day. I, I'm in the middle of a conversation, completely forget what I'm talking about. Or somebody asks you a question, you completely blank. Now, I say all that to say, several years ago, I was doing an interview with this guy um, and bless his heart, that sets me up. Um, bless it. He was he was a guy that was trying to be funny, but he wasn't funny, and he was asking questions. And at first, I thought, okay, I'll put up with a couple of these. But then it got ridiculous. Like he was asking me questions like this, and this was toward the end of the interview. He was like, "So, if you could be a car, what kind of car would you be, and why?" And I looked at him. I said, "I wouldn't be a car." And he looked back at me and said, no, 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 just for fun. I'm like, I literally have never thought about what kind of, I would not be a car. He said, what kind of, I was like, I would be the kind of car that would run over you so I could get out of this interview. That's the kind of car I'd be. So anyway, it, it was going really bad. And he said, he had discernment. He said, I can see that this is, you're kind of getting tired of this. So I'm going to wrap it up with one more question. And I said, here we go. He said, if you could sit down with any Christian leader or, or, or all the Christian leaders in the world. Then he paused and he said, no, 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 not Christian leaders, all Christians. You got to sit down with all Christians and you got to tell them one thing. You just got to share one thing with them. What would you say? And in that moment, my mind went completely blank. I forgot every Christian cliche I had ever seen. I forgot all the stupid bumper stickers that I'd read. I forgot all the church signs that should be taken down because they're bad. I forgot every Bible verse that I'd ever known. My mind went completely blank. And what came out of me, so the reason I say that is because what came out of me was not from me because I had never said this in my life, but I looked at the guy and what came flowing out of me was this. Listen to Jesus, do what he says. That's what I said. And when I was walking out, my friend who was with me was like, man, that was, that's pretty good. And I was like, what was good? He said, that thing you said. I said, what I say? He said, listen to Jesus, do what he says. I went, oh, that is good. That, that's good. I said, I said that. He said, I'm pretty sure you did. We went back and watched the recording just to make sure I said it. Um, and, but after I said it, I wrote it down, and it's something that I began to try to, to build my life on. I began to put it in some teachings and in some writings that I was doing. Listen to Jesus and do what he says. This is basically, listen, it's simple, but it's not easy. Because it breaks down in two parts. First part is listen to Jesus, and we'll get to this later on in the message. But in order to listen to Jesus, we have to put ourselves in a position where we can hear his voice on a consistent basis. It's not that he's not talking. Sometimes it's but we're not listening. And then do what he says. It is impossible to follow Christ while sitting in a stadium seat. Because Jesus, when he was originally gathering his disciples, he didn't say, admire me. 
Because a lot of people are like, man, Jesus, I like Jesus. He, he said, he's a cool guy. He said some cool stuff. Yeah, well, he did. And I do admire Jesus because anybody that can predict their own death and resurrection and then pull it off, got my vote. I like that guy right there. Jesus didn't say, believe me. Now, somebody's going to push back and go, he did say, believe in me. I didn't say he didn't say, believe me. I said he didn't say, believe me. I believe Jesus. That's great. He said, follow me. He said, I want you to follow me. So what I did, what I did is I sat down several weeks ago because I knew we had baptism coming up and I was gonna preach a baptism message, but I couldn't get this phrase, listen, Jesus, do what he says, out of my mind. So I sat down with a legal pad and some of you don't know what that is. It's actually a pad of paper that you write on with a pen. Um, and I took out my pen and I started just writing and I wrote down all kinds of examples of stories in the Bible where people literally did this. They listened to Jesus and did what he said. And I wound up in the Gospel of John. Now, I love the Gospel of John because it's the first book in the Bible that I can remember reading from like chapter one to chapter 21. I was a brand new Christian and they gave me a Bible. And I was like, nah, I already got one. It was 1990. I was like, I already got one of these. And they're like, do you have an NIV? I was like, a NIV? They were like, no, an NIV. I said, I don't have one of those because I had a KJV. Any KJV people in here? Yeah, I didn't understand it. I did like the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special where Linus comes out and says it in KJV. I still like that, right? But I don't know if they, they probably canceled that, but I liked it when it was on. So, so I didn't know that there was a Bible translation that you could read and actually understand. So I got the NIV and I got the Gospel of John and I could, I was like, and I told them, I said, I'm gonna start in Genesis and read straight through. They said, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, that's not a good idea. I said, well, isn't that typical how you read a book from start to finish? They were like, yeah, but not really the Bible. Because if you, I was like, well, what's wrong with starting in Genesis? They said, when you get to Leviticus and Numbers, they start killing goats and bulls and you're gonna get freaked out and you're gonna put it down and you're not gonna come back. I was like, okay, where do I start? They said, John, I found John, it's toward the end. I said, I'm starting toward the end. They're like, trust me, it all makes sense in like 20 years. And it does now. So I started reading through the Gospel of John, a chapter a day. By the way, if you don't know where to read in the Bible, start in the Gospel of John, a chapter a day, in three weeks, you could re have read through the entire book of John. So, so I'm reading through the book of John and there's all these stories in John about people who listened to Jesus and did what he said. So I, I wrote down pages of notes. And when I got to the end of all my writing, I was like, I gotta cut some stuff out of this because this sermon's gonna be like four hours long. So I cut and I cut and I cut and I cut. And because, and you're gonna know the answer to this, because there's just a little bit of Baptist left in me, I got it down to how many? Three, there you go. All right, y'all listen. So I got it down to three stories. So the Gospel of John, in John chapter two, Jesus goes to a wedding and we know it was probably a Christian wedding because that's where he turned the water into wine. He was probably like, listen, I can't even handle this. They're washing each other's feet. We're turning water into wine, all right? So he turned the water into wine and then he goes to Jerusalem and he turns over some tables and, 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 and basically kicks some butt and that's pretty cool. Then John chapter three talks to Nicodemus. John chapter four, he's got the woman at the well and then we're gonna pick it up in John chapter four, okay? So, so far, Jesus has done one miracle in the Gospel of John. He turned water into wine. That's the only miracle. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we look at the scriptures through our lens and we don't look at it as the people who were living it would have experienced it. So with that in mind, we're gonna go to John chapter four. This is his second miracle in the Gospel of John. And watch this. As he traveled through Galilee, 
He came to Cana, which is where he had turned the water into wine. So he went back to the place where he did the first miracle. That's what he says. Where he had turned the water into wine. And you know everybody was coming up going, hey, Jesus, hold my water bottle, right? Because I, I, I would have done that at least because not for me. I have a friend. So, so there was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. Not like kind of sick, not WebMD sick. I don't know, I'm gonna Google, what, what are your symptoms? Okay, you have a little bit of snot coming out of your nose. Okay, baby, you could either have a cold or a brain tumor. Don't, don't get on WebMD because it, it'll die, dear God. So, so th- this guy right here has a sick child. Now, if you're a parent, there's nothing that you hate more than seeing your child sick. You hate it, and you never get over it. When Karis was a little bitty girl and she was sick, it would crush my heart. A few weeks ago, she had COVID. She had a fever, crushed my I was like, baby, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Finally, she was like, dad, I need you to get out of my room. I was like, okay, wait a minute, this is my house. Okay, but I, but I left. When, when you see your child sick, there, there's one word that describes us all. We feel helpless. Feel helpless. And, and maybe you're here tonight, or maybe you're watching online, and you don't necessarily have a kid, but there's a situation going on in your life that feels a little out of control. You, you feel helpless. And just like this guy did in the story. So he feels completely helpless and... And watch what he does, because this is mind-blowing. When you consider, well, let me back up. Government official, government official. So was he used to getting his way, yes or no? Yes. Watch what happens. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. So the sickness had evidently gotten worse. Now, now stay with me here. This guy wasn't a Jewish person. He was, he was a Gentile. We would say in today's world, he wasn't even a Christian. He didn't know the Bible. He didn't know the word. This is what he knew. My son is sick. And in a couple towns over is a man. And all I know about this man is there something special about him? Because I heard about the wedding and I heard about turning the water into wine. And I'm just guessing that if he turned the water into wine, he could heal my son. He had a very limited knowledge of who Jesus is, who Jesus was and what Jesus could do, but that did not stop him from getting in a position where he could ask Jesus to come and perform a miracle. Now, here's the reason I say that. He positioned himself. And if we want to follow Jesus, we've got to position ourselves where we can hear his voice on a consistent basis. I'm talking on a, on a macro level and then a micro level. Like on the macro level is we've got to position ourselves by, by, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but like coming to church. That's a big deal. It's amazing to me the number of people that say God isn't speaking and you ask them when's the last time they went to church and it's been two, three, four, five months ago. 
God's always speaking. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say this. I'll put it, I'll put it out on the record. We've never had a Sunday at Second Chance where God did not show up and speak to someone in the room and save them or change their life or change their mind or change their direction. I've seen it happen every single week. Now, COVID screwed us up. It made us lazy. But I got an announcement. And this is not for the people in the room. This is for that person watching online. You're sitting at home right now, wearing a trash bag, double mask, drive a Prius by yourself. It's over. Fauci retired, all right? He, it, it's over. It's a, yes, thank you. And so it, it's over. We can find all kinds of reasons for not going to church. Isn't it funny when it rains? I don't want the baby to get wet. We stood at the Clemson game three hours the day and the baby got soaked teaching it how to be a fan. <laughs> this guy put himself in front of Jesus. And I'm telling you, when we walk into a church with a heart with a, that has a posture toward Jesus, I wanna hear what you gotta say. He's gonna meet us there every single time. Not just on a macro level, but a micro level like every single day. It's amazing to me the number of people that say, I don't hear God's voice. And I tell them, well, tell me about your personal time with God. Well, I don't have one of those. Okay, well, that's where we need to start. Like start your first five or 10 minutes of the day spending time with Jesus. Get out of the bed because you're going to start reading the Bible app on your phone. And next thing you know, you're going to be watching the cat getting caught in the ceiling fan on TikTok, okay? Which is funny, by the way, but you, you don't know. Just get out of the bed, listen to a worship song, read the scriptures, write something down, pray. Whatever you need to do to get in a position where you can hear God's voice, do that. That's what this guy did. He didn't. And this is what people push back on me and they're like, I don't know that much about Jesus. Neither did this guy. This is what he knew. I have a problem. There's something about that man. I think he can help me with my problem. This is where some people that are so heavenly minded, they're earthly good, they're like, he came to Jesus with selfish motives. Don't we all? Don't we all? So, so he asked Jesus to specifically come and heal his son. Now watch what Jesus does, because this is kind of fascinating. Jesus says, Go back home. Your son will live. Pause. As a parent, on the surface, strip away religion. Are you okay with this? Yes or no? No, because it's not what I asked for. Don't you hate it when somebody tells you that you want something that you didn't ask for? On a restaurant one time, they were having a little competition. I didn't know about the competition. All the wait staff were trying to get everybody to order the special. I, and so I sat down and the waitress came up. She's like, what would you like? I was in a mood that day. I don't do this a lot. I did it this week, though. I, I, I don't do this a lot. I said, you know what? I want a double cheeseburger with, with bacon. It's what I want. And some of y'all are vegetarians, and, and I praise God for you because there's more double cheeseburgers with bacon <laughs> for me, right? Listen, I believe in climate change, and, and statistics show that cow farts are one of the biggest dangers of the climate, so I'm just trying to take out as many cows as possible. So listen, let's eat them. I said, fart. <laughs> she, she told me, I said, I want a double cheeseburger with bacon. She said, no, you don't. I said, I don't. She said, no, you want the special because there's a competition. They, you know. I said, okay, well, what's the special? She said, a portobello mushroom burger. I was like, like with a portobello mushroom on top of the burger? She said, no, 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 it's a vegan special. 
That's what you want. I was, I was single at the time, so I was thinking, you ain't that cute. I mean, you know, they, they, you know to eat a mushroom burger? Uh-uh, girl. I'm just, listen, her mama loved her, but bless. <laughs> I can say that at 5 o'clock. <laughs> don't, you, don't you hate it when somebody tells you what you want when that's not... It, if I'm this guy, by the way, he's a government official, so he's used to kind of commanding people. He goes, Jesus, I want you to come heal my son. Jesus goes, he'd be all right. Go on home. <laughs> Southern Israel. All right? So he, he, <laughs> he didn't do what Jesus asked him to do. But here's what's crazy. The guy and the man believed what Jesus said and started home. But let me ask everybody in the room, how hard was it for him to turn around and start walking home just taking Jesus at his word? Like, I would have personally felt better if, if Jesus came with me, like I asked, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus told him, "Go no, so here's the question. As he walked, did he wrestle with it, yes or no? Absolutely he did. Because remember, they only knew of one miracle that Jesus had performed. So he turns around and he starts walking, but don't miss this. As he started walking, Jesus started working. And that's how it happens. A lot of the times we miss Jesus working because we're not willing to walk in the direction he told us to walk. And so he told this guy, he said, listen, Go back home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home while the man was on his way. Some of his servants met him. Can you see this man? Here come the servants. What's his first thought? He's dead. If he had came with me like I asked him to, but he's dead. Because the enemy always tries to get us to stop walking through discouragement. So here come the, here comes the, and he notices they got a smile on their face, and it's kind of weird. So some of the servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. Oh, he's good. He's, he's up and kicking. He asked them when the, when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Wow. Then the father, I'm glad that was just me. I mean, it wasn't just me. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live, and he and his entire household believed in Jesus. You see, if Jesus does what the man asked him to do, then Jesus and the man and the boy get to see the miracle. But because Jesus had a bigger plan. Jesus, I think, I can't prove this. I think Jesus, the reason, the reason Jesus stayed there and told the man go home was he was trying to show him and ultimately show us, my plans are bigger than your plans. My ways are bigger than your ways. I'm not limited by geography. I'm not limited by time. I'm not limited by space. I am in control. I was in control. I will be in control. So just do what I tell you to do. As you walk, I'll work and I'll work it out to something better than you could have imagined on your own. On the other side of obedience are opportunities for miracles that would blow our minds. So that's, that's the first story. Now, the second story is in John 5. He shows up at a place called the Pools of Bethsaida. Now, I have been to this place many times. It's a, they've excavated it, and it's kind of cool to be in this environment. And this is a place where they said there's a big pool and a bunch of sick, blind, 
crippled, lame, jacked up people hung out. And when I read that, I was like, this is my church. Um, and I'm, I am one of them and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. So, so this is where they all were. And Jesus is kind of walking around the pool. Now the, now the pool was close to the temple. And, and so it was about as close as these people could get to the temple because if you had a physical problem, they thought it was the indication of something spiritual that was broken in you. And so Jesus is walking around the pool and and once again, you're gonna to have to stay with me. I'm not being irreverent. I'm not being irreligious. I'm trying to get us to look at the scriptures through the filter of the way that the people who were living there would have seen it. So Jesus, <laughs> this is great. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Now, if my nose runs for more than 10 minutes, I'm a baby. 30 Eight, let's put that in context. 1984. Ronald Reagan versus Walter Mondale. Duran Duran. Okay, some of y'all are getting it. Jo George Strait was just becoming known. And since then, he's done 472 farewell tours. This is my last tour, but okay, so praise the Lord. George, if you're watching... You can come lead worship here anytime, we was just, but you've got to lead it with Ryan because he's a sweetheart. And so anyway, I've been laying there for 38 years. He's sick. And then, and then this next question, I remember being a young Christian in a Bible study reading this, and there was a bunch of people in the room, older, younger, like, and, and, and I said out loud, and this is when I realized you don't always say what you're thinking in Christian circles. I, hold on, let me read the question. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time, and he asked him, would you like to get well? Does that seem a little weird? In this Bible study, I remember going, I just think that's kind of a stupid question. And the, these two ladies in the back were like, <gasps> and the guys next to me had a toupee that just flew off because they kind of, I mean, it was, it was like, Jesus didn't ask stupid questions. I'm like, that's not what I said. I said, it seems like a stupid question. Doesn't it seem a little bit weird? Like if you see a guy on the sidewalk bleeding out, hey man, you want some help? No, I'm good. All right, just checking. I was just, I was just asking. Well, you know, we are at Walmart. Things happen. So <laughs> would you like to get what? I didn't understand that question. But I've been in ministry for 30 years. I understand it now. For example, somebody goes, I'm depressed. Would you like to get well? Take it back to this guy. Would you like to get well? Oh, man, not really. I mean, yeah, I'm laying on this mat. We'll call him Matt. Matt was laying on the mat. We'll, Matt, we'll call him Matt. Matt. No, I'm, I mean, people feel sorry for me. People bring me stuff. At the end of the day, I don't have the ideal life, but I'm not sure I want to give this up because I get attention. So go back to the depression. Do you want to get well? I don't know. I mean, if I say I'm depressed, people feel sorry for me. People give me attention. People give me stuff. People call me and text on me, and, and they check on me. And so I'm not, really, I'm not really sure I want to get well. I'm battling with anxiety, which, by the way, has become the new cool. It's kind of cool to say that you have anxiety. By the way, most people that scream they have anxiety don't have a freaking clue what anxiety really is because most people with anxiety don't even want to talk about it because they think they're melting down. Anyway, different message, different time, different series. 
But it's kind of, I've got anxiety. I'm wrestling with anxiety. Do you want to get well? Not really. No, I kind of like the attention because when I say I'm getting anxious, people look at me and stare at me and they help me and they give me stuff and they text me and they pray for me. And so I kind of like, I don't, I don't, mm mm-mm. Or, or, I have an addiction. Do you want to get well? Not really. Not, not really. I don't. And, and let's be honest. Not everybody who has an addiction wants to get well. I know for a fact because people have tried to tell me, will you talk to my brother? Talk to the brother. Hey, do you have an addiction? No, I don't have an addiction. How much beer are you drinking? Case of night? Uh, probably have an addiction. I mean, but they don't want to get well. Now, here's the reason I brought these things, those things, three things up. Depression, anxiety, or addiction. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you those are three things that God has either helped me get over or is actively helping me get over. So if you want to get well, you can get well. It's not because God isn't all-powerful. Oftentimes, not all the times, oftentimes, we'd just rather lay there. It's quiet in the room. You could hear a rat fart in this place right now. <laughs> By the way, two weeks ago, at 11 o'clock service, we had a rat run across the stage. It was a mouse, actually. It wasn't a rat. It was a mouse. And I kind of wish it would have taken a left over here and ran up the stage because what would have happened, it was a hit a lady's foot, and she would have jumped up and went, woo! And all the charismatics in the room would have went, woo! And we would have broke out in revival because of a mouse. Ray Stevens wrote a song about a squirrel doing that, and I just thought that would have been so cool, but I think we caught the mouse. I'm not sure we did. Okay, I think he might have had a cousin. So if something runs across your foot, just saying. So Jesus asked the guy, do you want to get well? Now, what happens? The guy gave him an excuse. Well, you know, try to da 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 He gave Jesus an excuse. And this is what I love. Jesus didn't even address his excuse. Jesus just, Jesus just told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Notice this. Exclamation point. You're a disciple. You've been hanging out with Jesus for a few months. You saw the water and the wine. You saw the thing happen at Capernaum. But now you're with Jesus by a pool, and he's yelling at the paralyzed guy on the mat. Is this problematic? Hello? Thomas, come here. Is he yelling at the guy on the mat? I think he is, okay? Because he's normally yelling at you, so I, Peter, so I just. And so for you, for those that don't think this weird, let's imagine after the service tonight, you go to Target, and there's a lady in a wheelchair, and somebody walks by and goes, get out of that chair! Nobody's going to go, that's normal. (laughs) And let me ask you a question. Do you not think that in 38 years, stand up and walk had not crossed the guy's mind? He wasn't, this wasn't new information. He wasn't like, I had never thought of that. He had probably tried to, he, he, he probably tried to lay on his le- left side. He got people to roll him over on his right side, on his belly, on his back. He probably tried it during different times of the day. He probably tried it when the festivals were happening and things were going. He had probably tried to get up every single way, but the problem was he had tried to get up on his own and he understood after 38 years, because sometimes God will let you say, are you done? God will say, are you done? 
So now the disciples are like, they, he just told the, the paralyzed guy to walk. I don't know, man. And then instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat because that's the first thing that Jesus told him to do. Jesus didn't say walk. Jesus was like, clean up a little bit and walk. So he rolled up his sleeping mat and walked. What's the difference? It's very simple. The power of God's word enabled a man who had been sick for 38 years to get up and walk. And that same power of God's word that did it for him will do it for me and will do it for you if we're simply willing to position ourselves in a place where we listen to Jesus and do what he says. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, thank you very much. I got one more. John chapter nine. Jesus and his apostles, they're walking along, and there was a man born blind. It says the man was born blind. And his, his disciples try to ask him, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his family? Um, because back in those days, if, if you had a physical deformity, they thought it was the result of a spiritual problem. And so they thought, and, and can you believe that there was a time that a group of people that followed Jesus would look at people that, that were a little sick and actually began to have theological conversations about them rather than stepping into their world and trying to understand them and help them? We've came so far in 2,000 years. Anyway, Jesus said, this happened to this guy so he would show the glory of God. And then, once again, you could have seen this story your whole life, but I'm about to present it to you in a way that you have, I promise you, you have never seen it this way. Let's say that we know this blind guy. His name is Buddy. We live in the South. It's a fair name to call this guy Buddy. Buddy's the blind guy. And let's say that, that Buddy makes his living, because Buddy, back in those days, would have made his living begging, but our Buddy makes his living at the jockey lot. I told y'all, y'all have never seen. So he, we got him a table set up at the jockey lot, and we take Buddy out there, and we put some stuff on his table. And Buddy don't know what he's selling because he's blind. So on his table, he's got some Little Debbie snack cakes and a hatchet and a velvet Elvis painting and a duck, like a real duck. And so that, that, cause that's, that's a normal table at the jockey lot, right? And Buddy's just happy. He's out there. He can't see you. Hey, Buddy, how you doing? We're over here, and he's waving over here, and, and, and then all of a sudden, this guy walks up. Watch this. Then, this is Jesus, he spit on the ground. Okay, so we're standing there with Buddy. All of a sudden, this guy walks behind Buddy's table, and he's just like, Phew. now that's, we're in the South. That's not, I mean, he's either got to dip or chew in. That's what we're thinking at first, right? Okay, it's a little gross, but if you want to, do, if you, that's on you, okay? But then he just keeps spitting. Is this normal? Mm-mm. In fact, he spit so much. This is a lot of spit. He made mud with a saliva. All of us are sitting there going, this guy ain't dealing with a full deck. He's playing with mud pies that he made with his spit at Buddy's table. But then it gets weirder and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. I don't know about you, but this happened to me. I, I wasn't born in the South, but I was raised here. I say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. I opened the door for a woman. 
And when something like that happens, I open up a can. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, talk to Cole Farlow, our student pastor. Immediately following the service, he would love to explain those and any other theological things that you have wrong with the sermon. His cell phone number is 865. I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> so when we read this in church world, we see this as normal. But if this happened in front of us, we would be appalled, right? Because... Let's just, okay, let's answer the obvious question, and I know what you're going to want to say, but be honest. Was the spit and the mud necessary? No. He had spoken healing. He had touched people, and they had been healed. What? Jesus, what are you doing? You made some mud. You put it on the guys. You know why? I, I have racked my brain trying to figure out why he did this. And the only thing I could come up with is Jesus did this to show us that he's not afraid of how messy our situation is. And if our situation is messy, he'll step into that mess. And on the other side of the mess is a miracle that would blow our minds. But stay with me because it gets a little bit crazier before it gets better. I love teaching the Bible through this lens. He told him, <laughs> go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Stop. He told the blind guy to go find something. That's like naming your dog stay. Here stay, here stay, here stay. And your dog's like, Nyer, and it just kind of passes out, right? What? <laughs> You, you just told, he, Jesus, Jesus, come here, come here, come here. He's blind. I know. That'd be like telling buddy, buddy, go find Chick-fil-A and you'll get healed, which is probably true. You probably, if there's any restaurant in the world, you get healed at Chick-fil-A, but, but, but buddy's blind with like spit mud dripping out of his eyes at the jockey lot. Go, go. See, this is for that person that says, I'm too messed up to do anything. Really, tell Buddy your story. The blind guy with spit mud in his eyes. And Jesus says, go find. Now, how did he get there? It's very simple. Somebody had to help him. That's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to walk alongside people that cannot see in their mess and help them get to the place that Jesus called them to get to. And when they get there, they will experience the miracle we're not the miracle workers. We just help them get to that spot. Because, because the man went and washed and came back seeing. How did that happen? He listened to Jesus. He did what he said. It's simple, but it's not easy. One night I went to, I went to Cracker Barrel. And Cracker Barrel is a restaurant that I love and hate. I hate it because of that stupid puzzle. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I always feel like an ignoramus because I, I, know, I know there's a way to get down to one, but I'm not watching the YouTube video because I want to do it. I did it one time by accident. Um, I think I actually knocked it over and some fell out and I just didn't put them back in. But I was at Cracker Barrel one night and, and there was a woman in there. She had two kids and I swear to God, these kids were either demon possessed or on crack or probably both. Have you, let me just ask a question. Don't judge me. Have you ever been in a restaurant, parents are there with their children, and the thought crosses your mind, I could handle that problem. 
I'll discipline those. Because this mom was just sitting there eating her macaroni and biscuits. And these kids, they, it wasn't like a, uh, uh. It was like a banshee that had done a line of cocaine from here to Belton, all right? I mean, it was un, I don't know where this stuff comes from. It was unreal. And I'm sitting there getting frustrated. I'm getting angry. I'm getting upset. I'm getting all just, I'm just getting all upset. And God spoke to me as clear as I've ever heard it. God said, pay for her meal. <laughs> if you shut her kids up, I'll pay for everybody's meal. <laughs> I said, you pay for her meal. He said, I'm going to. Through you. I was like, God, I don't want to pay. For, I, don't, I didn't want to. It'd be different if she was nice and she'd have nicely well-behaved kids and whatever. But God was like, pay for it. I was like, all right. Have you, ever done, have you ever said yes to God, but you didn't have a good attitude? Hey, I told the lady, I said, bring me her check. Who? Woman with a crazy kid. Everybody knew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, can you get her out of here too? I don't, I don't know. I'm just paying for the meal. I didn't tell her God told me to because she'd think that would be weird. So anyway, I said, just tell her somebody pay for a meal. I said, don't tell her who. I said, it's not a, you know, I just don't want to make a scene. Lady goes up to this woman, tells her that somebody paid for a meal, and she just starts weeping. Found out, single mom, didn't have really the money to go to Cracker Barrel, but she just needed a place to sit down and eat some food with her kids. Here's what's funny. I, I still get chills when I tell the story. Because I, I didn't work a miracle. I listened to Jesus. I did what he said. And I walked out of there with the biggest sense of peace in my life. Now, it cost me. But I still had peace. Saying yes to Jesus, sometimes it does cost us. But I promise you there will be peace on the other side. Say, Pastor P, why in the world would you talk about all this before baptism? Well, it's real simple. Tonight, you're going to see people stand in that pool, and you're, it's going to be a tangible example of somebody listening to Jesus and doing what he says. Yes, it represents Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave. It represents the old person that becomes new. But it's also someone saying, all right, Jesus, I'm a follower of you. What's my next step? Baptism, let's do it. The reason we bring that up is because Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The first thing Jesus said to do when we receive Christ is to be baptized. That's the first thing. Doesn't matter your, ra your, your, your race, your age, your economic status, who you voted for in the last election, who you're gonna vote for in the next election, doesn't matter. Jesus said everybody's next step is baptism. And I'm just asking a question. How in the world can we call Jesus Lord and not do the very first thing he's called us to do? 
when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and I love the fact that Peter got to preach because 50 days before, he had denied Jesus three times. He preaches this message, and, and all these people are cut to the heart. 3,000 people got baptized that day. And the way it happened is after Peter's message, that Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other disciples, apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each one of you must repent of your sins, which means to change your mind, put your thinking in line with God's thinking, and turn to God and be baptized. Baptized. Baptism is simply putting on the Christian jersey. Tomorrow night, Clemson, Georgia Tech play. The Clemson players don't have a problem putting on the Clemson jersey. The Georgia Tech players don't have a problem putting on the Georgia Tech jersey. Followers of Jesus shouldn't have a problem putting on the Christian jersey. Now, this is the reason I'm saying this. And we saw this happen in every service this morning. Tonight, there's some people getting baptized. They've signed up and we got them ready to go. But there's somebody here tonight. Maybe you're in this room. You've never been baptized. Since praying to receive Christ, you've never been baptized. We baptize by immersion here because that's what the Bible says. That's the way the Bible says to do it. And that's the way Jesus was baptized. And if you really want to listen to Jesus and do what he says, you'll get baptized tonight. Now, so you got all this stuff over there ready for you? No, we hood. We got a towel and a shirt. That's it. You drive home with wet pants because it's raining outside. You walked in wet, so you got to t- get a free T-shirt out of it. And you steal the towel if you want. People did that today. Short on That's okay. It's a second chance. But there's some people tonight you need to get baptized. We've already got several signed up, but if you know that's your next step, this is my advice. Listen to Jesus, do what he says. Because on the other side of obedience are opportunities for miracles and blessings that will absolutely blow your mind. We stand and pray. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are faithful. God, even when we're faithless, God, you are faithful. Even when we're lying beside a pool and we've been there sick so long, Jesus, you come to us when we can't come to you. Father, I want to pray for every single one of us in this room tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, just with a posture. Maybe maybe there's something God's been dealing with you about and you're like, tonight, I just need to listen to Jesus and I need to do what he says. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. And you know, you realize tonight that you need Jesus. You can't... You can't walk on your own without Jesus. You can't heal yourself. You can't become a better version of you. You need Jesus Christ in your life. If that's you, then I'm gonna invite you to pray and ask Christ into your life right where you stand right now. We're gonna pray this. I want you to pray it out loud and our whole church family is gonna pray it out loud with you because we pray out loud together, but we pray out loud for the the encouragement of the people that are asking Christ to come in their life for the first time. So all over this room, if you know you need Jesus, I want you to pray this out loud from your heart and everybody let's join in with them just say jesus christ i know that i'm a sinner and i need you as my savior i believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins and right now jesus i receive you into my life come in and take over in jesus name i pray With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, 
I want you to do me a favor and put your hand up in the air because I want to pray with you. I want to pray. Amen. Amen. I want to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate. Amen. Amen. There are hands. Now, here's the challenge. If you just prayed to receive Christ, or if you're in this room and you've prayed to receive Christ and you haven't been baptized yet, let's, let's do it. If that's you, I want you to step out of your aisle and walk out the back door, walk out where the exit signs are, because we've got people back there that want to meet with you, we want to get your name down, make sure that you know what you're doing, and then we're going to baptize you tonight. You just go right now. You step out of your aisle and you go right now. If there are people moving, yeah, you just go. You just go. You step out of your aisle. If you know you need to get baptized, and you go right now, because we're going to baptize tonight. You're going to see people listen who have listened to Jesus. That You just saw it. They listen to Jesus and they're doing what he said. And so what I want us to do while we take a few minutes just to celebrate it, as I want us to sing about how great God is, how we sing of his wonders, how we sing of his grace, sing of his faithfulness.